You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisentraff on WCPT 820. Welcome back. A little after 3 o'clock here in the Upper Midwest. Uh, this is the hour I take your calls at 773-763-9278. But not before I talk to the incomparable A.B. Stoddard. She's a longtime uh, journalist, associate editor, and columnist at Real Clear Politics and Amy, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Look, you're one of my favorite guests, and I have been so eager to talk with you again before the polls close. (laughs) But the burden of this election cycle on those of us who've been paying close attention is is really almost too much. I I had Senator Whitehouse on earlier, and he went through the indictment that is his new book on the damage of dark money in our politics. And I tell myself and I tell all our listeners, vote, vote because it's so important. And I say that with certainty that it is still legitimate to vote. Um, how do you acknowledge the structural problems in the democracy and its legitimacy at the same time? How do you convince people with all the noise we've heard that their votes still matter? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think that um, there is this portion, this radicalized portion of the electorate who believes Donald Trump's big lie, and it is really, the big lie is really threatening this country in so many ways, um, and it's obviously becoming violent, but but I think that other people still believe uh, that the, that they're, that elections today are verifiable, uh, that they are transparent and they're accountable. Uh, we are heading into a new space, as you and I have talked about before, where we are not entirely sure um, what this uh, radicalized coalition uh, is going to do in response to the 2022 elections and the 2024 elections. So we just... We're heading into kind of a no man's land where we know that the systems in place are uh, protected and um, updated and, and, and the people are working really hard to retain the, pe- the officials and the volunteers that support it and, up, and, and hold it up. Uh, when many of them after 2020 have been, you know, leaving in droves. Um, but we we don't know if election deniers who are going to win, and several of them will, uh, we don't know what they're going to do in, in two years. And we don't know if in a few weeks those who lose will, will refuse to concede their losses. Uh, so so I, I'm confident in our system, and I try to tell people that they should be confident in our system, but I yep. don't know how you know the radical actors are going to behave. Well, I, I mean, I expect... Look, I don't want to play pollster in this week, but let's. So, so I'm going to skip ahead and, and talk with you about what happens after. And let's pretend it's the extremes. If one party's losses are bigger than expected, if Democrats get their clocks cleaned, I think folks are already lined up to blame the progressive wing, um, even though most Democrats running across the country aren't in that wing. I see that. On the other hand, if the GOP loses badly, unexpectedly, I think the popular history of delusions is they take a long time to dissipate. So I expect the Republican response to losing would be to double down on blaming that they're saying the election was crooked rather than to 
you know, walk back to the center. What do you think? You know, if they, if there is a, so I'm predicting either a purple wave or a red wave, but not a blue wave. A purple yeah. wave means that Democrats are extremely energized and come out and they mitigate their losses. And then we get mixed results. Um, in that scenario, if the Democrats were to say, let's say, hold on to the Senate and or the House, um, I think that Mitch McConnell and people like him would be very sober about the issue of abortion. I think that he would not say the issue that, that, that the election was stolen. I think that he would say we have to reexamine these trigger laws and how extreme they are and what this country um, is is ready for um, and willing to to unite around in terms of some kind of sane answer to this issue now that Roe has been eliminated. I think he knows it's a huge political liability. And I think he would be very, uh, I think that people like him would be very upfront about that as a liability for them. Um, I do not think that people will rush to the polls to vote for Democrats in this election because they think inflation is fine. It would clearly be because of abortion and it would clearly be because they feared a radicalized GOP. Um, and January and the revelations from the January 6th hearings. And I think that Mitch McConnell is likely to respond to that in a rational way and say Trump remains a huge problem for us, radicalized Republicans who, you know, who, who vacuum in conspiracy theories every day and those that flirt with them are a huge problem for us. Normal voters can't tolerate this extremism. That's what I think the postmortem would be from Republicans if Democrats hold on very well. In this environment, not That's only, so not interesting, Trump, obviously not Trump, right. I think people who want to win again, you know, Paul Ryan, he, you know, his new line is that we've never lost so much so fast as we have with Donald Trump. So, so that's what I think will happen um, among sort of what's left of the establishment of the arse. But most certainly that, you know, the radicalized, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, they'll all say the elections were rigged if the Democrats hold on. Yeah, well, you're, what you're predicting is something I, I've waited to see, which is some uh, adult Republicans fighting back against the madness of their base and their bomb throwers. You know, I mean, I have Mitch McConnell wrote a very decent uh, response to the horror that happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband last night, but most of the party, you know what? I mean, they're, they're saying things from tepid to downright hostile. Uh, so I actually saw tweets yesterday from Chuck Grassley, Ted Cruz, Matt Gates, and then Steve Scalise, Kevin McCarthy, McConnell's was, was very good. Ben Sass's was very good. Yep. Um, I almost feel the word disgusted was used several times. I almost feel like they had like a, t- a template that they were following uh, because the response was pretty i was i was surprised that you know that like i didn't see josh hawley step out there but you know there the point is enough of them did rick scott that i thought it was kind of interesting what i do not see what i do not see and it's very concerning to me is any kind of comment from them on um on calling for calm and, and peace um on election day on november 8th when we know that our government is preparing for increasing threats serious potential for altercations and potentially violence and that people who are working the polls are scared. So if, he, if, if they don't want to tie this attack and basically the attempted assassination of the speaker of the house 
and the subsequent attack, you know, an injury to her husband, if they don't want to tie that to violence on election day, that's a mistake in my eyes. But this is their opportunity to say to a radicalized base who's running around threatening election officials with these lies, look, we're going to have a calm election and we don't want anyone to get hurt in 10 days. And, and what I don't see is them making that leap. And, and yep. I think that that's a problem for us because I, I think these uh, tensions are high and I'm really nervous about election day. I, I am too. And I just was on the, literally right before you were on, I was talking to a reporter in Arizona who reminded me that it takes them about 10 days to count their ballots because of the way they do it. Yeah. Yeah. If it's close. Yeah. And, and he says, we're terrified that, you know, if it's close and we're counting ballots for 10 days, that there's no facility secure enough on the planet for what could happen. And that's what I wrote, I wrote about this a week ago. And of course, the response from the Trumpers was, oh, you know, why are you just asking for Republicans to call for peace and calm? And oh, oh, you know, Antifa and all that crap they always talk about and how, you know, Donald Trump called for peace on January 6th. I mean, this isn't this isn't a rational conversation. In the piece I talked about how we all know if, if Republicans don't stand up between now and November 8th, we have the scenario you just described. We have. I'm sorry. I, I'm stunned for one second. I'm stunned. Yeah. Did you just say to me, I think you said somebody says Donald Trump called for peace on January 6th? This is these are the emails that I get when I write. They, I think he was, ah. the, word, the, the word peace is somewhere in the, the, the. I think he said go peacefully once at the ellipse, and so they they had that disclaimer for life, and they like, oh, uh, they like email me about it. Yeah. So in this scenario, I describe. I mean, I literally wrote this a week ago before the Paul Pelosi attack, and I described there will be close races that are not called. And we can count on Donald Trump to go on Truth Social and say, see, it's been rigged. Stop the count. Stop the steal. Stop the crap. Whatever he's going to say, right? Are the Republican officials going to wait till then to say we need to lower the temperature? Or are they going to do it before the 8th? Or are they going to be quiet then? I mean, right, how cowardly are they going to be? Because those We have some history on that. The scenario you described is terrifying. Um, okay. I'll, I, I, yeah, I'm really worried about it. I mean, the, the, you know, on the, on the democratic side, I think it was interesting. Um, I don't think they peaked too early. I think it's a turnout election. I, I think it's more competitive than any of us thought it would be six months ago, but very, very hard, right? Very, very hard. Uh, and it always was going to be. But there are elections that, that sort of surprise me. I mean, I'm, you know, Wisconsin is very close, and Ron Johnson may be the worst senator in the of the bunch. It's surprisingly close. Um, I think it's going to be turnout, and um, I think the Dems are organized on the ground really well in the state. You know, I I, I thought Michigan was going to be tougher. It's not for Democrats, in part because they're organized really well in the state. That you know the ground game is good, so just the nuts and bolts of 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 the GOTV campaign, the organizing that's gone on at these state levels, that's not always transparent um, until election day. You know, between cycles, so I, I think we're there's some surprises both ways that we just won't know about.
Yeah, it is. So I've been calling it the black swan election because I think there are X factors within the X factors. And it's just, there's so many things that could surprise. Number one, I think people are going to split their tickets. So you already have, we can see in the polling in Ohio, a bunch of Mike DeWine, Tim Ryan voters. Why, why do we know that? Because Mike DeWine has a huge buffer over his Democratic opponent, Nan Whaley, but then Tim Ryan and Vance are neck and neck because Vance is a terrible candidate. So some Republicans are not comfortable with him. And they believe that Tim Ryan, who's run an impeccable campaign, is, you know, the real authentic deal. So you'll see that in Georgia, too. Same split. Right. And we're going to see it in Arizona. We're going to see it in Pennsylvania. Just a lot. I mean, should people are going to vote for Oz and Shapiro in Pennsylvania? I don't think enough of them. I think Fetterman's going to win. But I think we're going to see tickets splitting everywhere. It's yep. interesting that you, that what you're describing about the, the ground game and the get out the vote, because the Republicans' operation was far superior in 2020. The Democrats really went dark in COVID. The DNC was yep. lame compared to the RNC. So maybe they've learned their lesson. Um, and, and it's true that, that, but, you know, I think Mandela Barnes is a weak candidate. I think Ron Johnson's also a disaster. But, you know, whatever. It's close. Uh, North Carolina, no one pays any attention. One of the tightest Senate races in the country. Um, I think that, you know, we could have upsets in either direction. John Joe O.J. wins in Colorado, beats the incumbent Michael Bennett. Everyone's stunned. You know, we. I think we could also have... You know, like I said, Tim Ryan beating Dan. Some, something there could be crazy. I mean, Iowa is weird this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I do understand. I mean, I do. I also think that this, in terms of the secret, the silent vote, you know, I, I, there some Democratic strategists are holding out hope that in these special elections that we've had four or five of that um, the, to replace members that uh, that we've. Democrats have overperformed their pre-election polling. So we're all worried about yep. polling, right? But these, where they think the Democrats are either going to come even or lose or win by one, they've won by three or four or whatever. So, so that, what that means is, is there, is there a young voter that we can't track because they don't answer polls, they don't participate in the system, but they, but they show up over abortion. Um, also, are there going to be Republicans who are mad about abortion who don't tell their friends or their husbands that they vote? Yep. They either don't vote or and leave or they leave parts of the ballot blank, or they vote the Democrats. So I think there are so much potential for for shock that it's it's so hard for us to predict who the electorate is is going to be. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Most midterms all of this- are just traditionally. Most midterms are always older and whiter, and so they tend to just always skew more Republican anyway. And then, yep. of course, they do bounce. They do. They bounce the party in power. Um, you know, they, they tend to come out in force Regularly. against the party in power. But I, right. I, the high turnout numbers so far, when we had the highest record turnout for a midterm in 2018, um, again, it's just I'm just surprised that it's that both sides are so energized. Well, I, it's possible. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be an, you know, say something optimistic. It's possible that even though you and I pay a lot of attention to the politics, this is an election that has enormous consequences because politics are in the service of picking a government and the difference in what the governments will do, depending on who wins, 
is so big. They're, I mean, they're just actual consequences that, that are bigger than usual. And, and I think, you know, abortion was the biggest, like, hello to people, but it isn't the only one. Um, and, and for young people who care about climate, you know, I mean, I, 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 it's possible that, you know, in this time of great division, the MAGA crowd has managed to unite people who don't really talk to each other. You know, folks who are really interested in reproductive choice, folks, young people who are really interested in climate, people who are election security folks, all these these are at stake in this election in ways they haven't been. So well, maybe they're going to show up and vote. At the same time, I mean, I think Republicans would tell you that most Americans have also not seen price hikes like this in their lifetime, 40-year high of inflation, and that the average... Oh, yeah, absolutely. May get people to vote. And gonna, and, yep. And, right, and, they're gonna, and the average voter is going to say, this government is terrible. Things never cost this much. And that, and that they're not politically engaged and not focused on these other issues. I think that abortion is just one of these things for Republicans. It's such a problem because it doesn't go away. So it's not like a Mar-a-Lago scandal or whatever. It just keeps coming. People, you and I talk about we'll, we'll, we will always be debating it. And so, uh, you know, I think that's that's the problem is that no one missed, no, not even the people in this country who don't follow politics, no one missed the Supreme Court decision because it didn't go over anyone's head. You know? Right. And we it wasn't a news cycle event because it's impacting right. people's lives every every right. day across the country. Yep. Right. So uh, I, I just I think that's I understand the stickiness of inflation. I truly do. Um, I can see young people voting on inflation. Just curious that they. You know that they they're in a far different place than they were 18 months ago with their finances, but mm-hmm. there are these other mitigating factors, and they're profound. Wow. So um, it, it's it is going to be interesting. I, again, I don't. Um, I'm not telling you that Republicans are going to be you know come out on mass and like dump Trump or anything if they have a bad night, but I do think that they're aware. Um, of the abortion problem. They definitely, definitely yeah. are. Um, and then I think they are aware uh, that if Blake Master, if, if, if even two of those candidates don't win, let alone three of, the, of Trump's Senate candidates, that'll be a problem. I mean, Mitch McConnell, will, you know, he will... I, I just that'll be a that'll be a public debate in the Republican Party. There's no yes. Question. Mitch McConnell will have plenty to say about that. Absolutely right. Yeah. If he's not doesn't take back the Senate, he will have a lot to say about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, look, I I want to. This has been the, it, for people who watch politics. This has been a fascinating uh, election cycle, but also um, it, it's had burdens that that other cycles haven't. It's been, at least speaking for myself, it's been emotionally harder to pay attention to the politics here because everything matters. So the the stakes are so high and because the outlandish behavior is bigger um, and because of the actual threats of violence that are out there. Is that just, you know, me in Chicago or is that something that people who are in Washington also feel? 
No, there is just a real um, incredible sense of burnout that, um, and, and just kind of uh, strain that uh, is, has been building since um, the last election because we had a moment where we thought that we were just going to have some calm um, and then January 6th happened two months after uh, Biden was elected. And we have been in a, a spiral of BS um, that has only grown and is now a real threat to the country. Um, and so really hard to cover this stuff when you know so much of the country tunes it out and you know how consequential and frightening it is. Um, and you know that we know if we're going to have a free and fair 2024 election. So it, it's a, it's, I feel the way you do and a lot of people around me do that. This just is mm -hmm. the point where it's really hard. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know if you saw this cartoon that Margaret Atwood tweeted a few months ago, but it's, you know, they're, they're the mother and daughter are in their um, handmade tail outfits, you know, with the mm -hmm. cat. Mm -hmm. Standing next to each other, and the, and the daughter says to the mother, "Why didn't you fight harder?" And she says, "Well, gas prices were really high." Oh my gosh! And that's kind of the way you know. That's yeah. some days I feel like you do, where I feel like we're speaking to a pissed-off country that doesn't is not contemplating the issues we're contemplating, and is and they're mad about prices, and we and I and we're sympathetic to that, but but that they're tuning all of this out and equating Republicans with Democrats and equating, you know, matters of policy with, um, you know, um, weird matters stuff. Of, uh, I mean, stuff. Like, yeah, like actually yeah. matters of policy now to me are not as important as the constitutional order. Um, if we don't get that right, we will have no policy. So yeah. it's really hard to have that conversation with people who aren't following it. And I, I want to be honest with listeners and help them deal with this um, because we have to not get burned out. We have to stay in this fight. And and it isn't going to be over this cycle. I mean, even if, you know, the Democrats win the lottery and retain the House and, and the Senate, it's not going to be over this cycle. We're going to have to get through the next presidential election um, before we before we begin to be able to put this in the rear view mirror. And, um, and that means it's a long haul. And I, I want people to be ready for that. I want them to take care of themselves because it's a long, I want you to take care of yourself. So that you're here. For this. I mean, I, I took my son, we went to a bulls game, you know, the other day, it felt great, almost normal, right? Almost normal. Um, yeah. It, it, this is, this is not a short term problem we're in. No, you are right, and um, right. We're we're in this. We're in a. Uh, you're, you're right. I mean, we, the 2024 election and whether or not it can be stolen is, or, or or attempted to be stolen is is really the emergency, right? And then, um, yeah, if the Democrats were to hold on, first of all, they face a terrible map in the Senate in 2024, and will not have the Senate in 2024. It's exceedingly yeah. unlikely. 
Yep. So there's that. And if they were to retain control of both chambers, it gives the Republicans an advantage in the presidential cycle as well. Um, and we're just looking at a 2023 that, that most Americans are just not contemplating. And I know we've discussed this before, multiple investigations of Hunter Biden, the impeachment of Joe Biden, the impeachment of Merrick Garland, investigations of Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, January 6th committee, which still dissolved Afghanistan withdrawal, the impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas. I mean, this is going to be a, a Republican in the House, which is like the likely scenario, even by a few seats, is going to be um, not a laughing matter three ring circus, but some kind of crazy house on fire, you know, mad situation. Yeah, and and um, and at the same time, when we see you know on the, the leadership on the Democratic side, um, really uh, entering. Um, well, I mean, I expect that Joe Biden won't run again, and I expect Pelosi won't be won't stand for leadership and will leave the Congress. Which, when you open up those two contests. For, for the leadership team in the House and the and the primary for the presidency, um, the party will be in flux at a time when um, the Republican Party will be going crazy. So it's it's a lot. It's 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 that's separate from the free and fair elections that we're worried about in two years, right? So it's a lot. Yeah, it's really it's an enormous amount. It, yeah. Like I said, I hope you're taking care of yourself because you, your voice is going to be needed for a couple more years here in this. Um, um, oh, hard. you're very kind. I, I have my, yeah, I really have my days. I'll tell you, um, it's, it's hard. It is hard. It's hard to believe, but it's hard. Like I said, I think the hardest thing is the thing when is that feeling where you're, where you feel like the country doesn't hear you. You know, the most people just can't take it in. These are my good friends who don't take it in. They just can't deal with it. Well, the reality is hard, and people don't – it's hard to look at. It's very hard. You have to force yourself to see it. Um, yeah. It's hard. And and thank God most Americans don't only pay attention to politics. I mean, I wouldn't have a right. basketball game to go to or a book to read if everybody did what right. you, know, you and I do for a living, right? I mean, they, yeah. they, they I'm glad that people do other things. and. And are building our economy and making great art and doing sports and just having a, having full other lives. But the, the, if the sovereigns don't do their job, the sovereigns now being the American citizens, just like a sovereign of, of, of in a dictatorship, if they don't do their job, they're going to get thrown out and replaced by something else. And in a democracy, ooh, that's a really dangerous thing. Yeah, um, we we really have to. Um Again, I mean, I, I worry so much about our kind of uh, not just our apathy, but our lack of civic education or erosion of civic knowledge. Because I'm, I'm worried that most people um, don't know what a secretary of state does as one, and 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 is not really dialed into what Marchant in Nevada and Mark Kinsey yep. in Arizona, you know, have planned should they win, and and it'll be too late, right? So. When was the time yep. to, to try to get Americans to focus on that? And on that note, really quickly, uh, you know, I just wonder, I heard months ago, Dan Bash CNN reported that Obama was going to do some down ballot campaigning, including Secretary of State. And the hour's a little bit late. I mean, I just, again, I kind of wonder, like, when are we going to sound that alarm? And, and it would take, obviously, Biden or a surrogate like Obama. And um, I don't know that the Democrats have done enough talking about that. 
I, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, they let the January 6th committee do some talking for all of them about threat sort of, uh, you know, writ large. Um, but, um, I mean, it's a five alarm fire and everybody should be talking about it. Part of the problem is the immense amount of dark money just flowing in to change a subject all the time. You know, you point it out and they say, wait a minute, did you see that something over there in the corner? I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's very hard to get people's attention on anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, well, I didn't mean to depress you. Obama's running around on the stump, and I just figured, you know, he could be he he could be reading some, you know, some Mark Fincham quotes or tweets or something to try to explain to people that secretaries of state are responsible for the certification of elections. And uh, that's anyway. Well, he's in Michigan, and and there's an issue there, so that's good. He's there right now, and he'll be in Wisconsin. Uh, I assume in the next 20 minutes and he'll be doing stuff there. Um, all of that is important, but yeah, yeah the, these secretary of state candidates, but I mean, I guess if we have one, you know, it'll be, uh, something to talk about for the rest of the country, but dangerous, so dangerous. Well, AB, I, I like, I always love talking to you and, um, this was going to be the conversation at the end of this cycle that I knew was going to be just, it's out there. It's all right there for everybody. If they just want to see it and we have a great future in this country, if people just want to have it um, and not, you know, live in a fantasy world of fake scandal. I mean, there's, I think the future could be bright if we want to make it so. Yeah, I, I think that going back to the first thing that you said at the top of our conversation, I mean, people just really have to engage and they have to participate. They have to learn who the candidates are. They're sending the state legislature, make sure that people that they're, you know, where are these candidates on abortion? Are they, you know, election deniers? Are they, you know, criminal justice abolitionists on the left who are, you know, anti-police? I mean, really on both extremes, people people have Google and they can do things we didn't do 20 years ago to make sure that, you know, they don't have to fill out a straight party ballot. They can choose wisely and they can split their tickets and they just need to, they need to vote and they need to, um, you know, find out if there's any political reforms happening in their state uh, and support those. And, and they need to watch their media diet. And, and those are things, and they need to vote in primaries. And those are things that we can do. We are not powerless yep. to make sure that we're doing our part. I'm going to give that the last word. Um, uh, hang in there. Be well. We'll you and I hope we'll talk again right after the primary and we can, or the election, and we can uh, either laugh or cry and then talk about what's coming. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Take good care of yourself as well. All right. Good to talk to you. Thank you. All right, everybody. That was A.B. Stoddard. The um, you know, associate editor, columnist at Real Clear Politics, one of the clearest eyes on the world we're in today. You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisendraft on WCPT 820.